everybody. Welcome to the International Church of Vilnius. I'm Matthew Steinfeld. It's good to be with you this morning. The newspapers said that two-thirds of you would be at the seaside today, so it's good that you're here. It's good to worship with you. Our first hymn this morning is number 23, O Worship the King, All Glorious Above. If you would stand and sing with us, please. gather together, let us begin by calming our hearts and begin being honest about our sins. If we ask for forgiveness through our Lord Jesus Christ, He will indeed forgive us. Our Heavenly Father, we admit that we have sinned against You in our lives, forgetting Your goodness and seeking our own desires. We have sinned by what we have chosen to do and by what we have chosen not to do. We have not loved you or our neighbors as we could. We confess to you as you instructed to receive your forgiveness because of the sacrifice and coronation of Jesus. Please have mercy on us. We need your forgiveness to please you, your power to live godly lives, all for your glory. Amen. May our gracious God Wash us clean from our sins and restore us through the work of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. 
Praise God for always forgiving us as we trust in his gospel. For he has heard our prayer. Let us then rejoice in his love and be grateful for his care. This morning's reading from Psalms comes from chapter 9. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you've upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. Our second hymn this morning is number 68. Come thou fount of every blessing. scriptures. Our first reading comes from Isaiah 29. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. And if you give the scroll to someone who can read and say, read this, please, they will answer, I can't. 
it's sealed. Or if you give the scroll to someone who cannot read and say, read this please, they will answer, I don't know how to read. The Lord says, these people come near me, near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, You didn't make me. Can the pot say to the potter, You know nothing. In a very short time, will not Lebanon be turned into a fertile field, and the fertile field seem like a forest? In that day the deaf will hear the words of the scroll, and out of the gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish. The mockers will disappear. And all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those who, with a word, make someone out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes from Romans 7. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And lastly, our sermon reading this morning is from Matthew 15. 
But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. This section in Matthew 15, like the other Gospels, have an interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees. And as we all know, the Pharisees, as portrayed by the Gospel writers, are legalistic. Earlier in, in Matthew 6, during the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus says that the Pharisees like to give in public. They like to pray in public. They like to fast or refrain from eating so they're seen by other people and then elevated in the mind of the righteous. Oh, those Pharisees, they're doing the right thing. Good for them. And here they're talking about eating with unclean hands before our sermon reading this morning. A couple verses prior, the Pharisees are complaining that Jesus' disciples are eating food without having first washed their hands because they feel that it's legally unacceptable according to the law. Jesus contrasts or responds to their accusations by saying, your rules are set up in order for you to look good. They don't have anything to do with God. You're finding ways to honor yourself instead of honoring other people. And so he says, you find ways to not honor your parents. Regardless of what we say, regardless of what we say we believe, our lifestyles and our speech, are always going to reveal the truth about us. Regardless of what you say or what you say you believe, you can talk about your beliefs, your faith, your religion, all you want, all we want. But our speech and the, our lifestyles reveal the truth about us. How we live and what we say reveal the true nature of our heart. And this is exactly what's happening with the Pharisees here. Jesus says, okay, you do all these things to be noticed, but I noticed that there was 
something that you do. You say that uh, we're supposed to take care of our, our mother and father according to the Ten Commandments. And as people who should take care of, maybe feed or provide money or income to those who are retired that are in our family that, that are in need. They donate those proceeds to the temple. They give them as sacrifices. This is, these types of sacrifices are called korban. You can look this up, K-O-R-B-A-N. In, the, in Mark 7, they spell it C-O-R-B-A-N. But Corbin is a gift to God. It doesn't, it doesn't have to do with sin. Oftentimes, the sacrifices that are given at the temple are for one's sins. But the gift of Corbin is not for atonement. It's out of thanks. It's out of gratitude. It's out of a love for God above and beyond what one would give at the temple. And it should reflect some type of closeness to God. So they're saying, well, we don't, we don't, we're not going to support our mother and father. We're giving our proceeds to God because we really are grateful to God. We really want to show our love for God. And Jesus has a problem with this. It sounds nice. But Jesus says, you cancel or nullify, you wipe out the Word of God for the sake of your tradition. If I say that regardless of what we say we believe, our lifestyle and our speech reveal the truth about us, what actions of yours are contrary to the Gospel? You see, the Pharisees were giving money saying that they were honoring the law, but really the thing about Corbin is, which oftentimes isn't mentioned in the Bible, is that when you give a gift on the altar, say a piece of meat or grain, it's roasted on the altar. But what we sometimes don't see is that that food is actually given back to the person who gives it to eat. Some of it goes to the priest. So when they say we're giving, our, we're giving our food, we're giving our money to God, they're really getting it back to consume themselves. But it looks like they're giving it to God because they're taking it to the temple. But a Corban sacrifice was often eaten by the person who gave it. So really they're given to themselves, which shows Jesus's, reveals why Jesus is upset. Now, we may not be going to the temple. You may not be walking up here in public and giving money, for example, to the, the coffer or the, the, the plate that's passed. But what is it in your life? What about your actions? What is it about what you say or what you do that, that is ultimately contrary to the gospel? You might be greedy. We might be jealous. We might be defensive when we talk to people and, and they don't mean harm, but we get all defensive and say, how dare you say that to me? Maybe we're offensive to other people. They're being nice and we want to impose our will on someone else. Maybe we're selfish with our time, with our money, with, when someone asks us for help. Maybe we're lazy. Maybe we find ways not to work because we really value our rest more than 
maybe someone else or something that we're responsible for. Maybe we're boastful. Maybe we like in conversation to drop in little hints that we're important, that we're doing something, or our accomplishments. Maybe we're trying to climb up above other people, maybe at work or socially, in order to appear better. Or maybe, maybe we're just judgmental of others in our minds. No one would know it except for us. What actions of yours and mine are contrary to the gospel? Because Jesus says, you hypocrites. Isaiah wrote about you. Strong words. It's very strong for Jesus to say the ancient scriptures were written about you. That's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees because their actions are hypocritical. And we face a big problem as Christians because the second we raise our hands and we say, I'm a Christian, I believe I'm forgiven, I believe that, that we are adopted sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ, then someone says, weren't you drinking too much last weekend? Weren't you boasting in conversation yesterday? Weren't you defensive with your spouse? Didn't you say that one time that you were jealous? Oh, you were lazy two weeks ago. I remember I saw you. The second we raise our hands and we say that we are Christians, we are prone to accusations. That may make us appear to be hypocrites. Maybe it shows that we are. And we'll get to that in a second. What that means to be, like Paul says in Romans, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The good and the bad things that I don't want to do, that I want to stop, that I want to wipe out of my life, I still continue to do it. He's saying even himself is stuck in this kind of measure, this balance of being a hypocrite, but also wanting to follow God and wanting to be sincere. But in the, the text here that he applies to the Pharisees that's, that's from our first reading in Isaiah, he says, these people, they value, they put a high price on me with their lips, with what they say. Ah, God's important. I'm going to give to him. I'm going to give my time and my money and my effort to him. But he says their hearts, the inside, the outside with their lips honors God. But their inside, what they really, really feel and believe is far from me, God says. It's held back. It's at a distance. They worship me in vain. There's no purpose for them coming to the temple to worship. I think about us. Is what I'm saying right now worth it? Is it worth your Sunday morning to come in here to sing and to listen and to read? Or are we worshiping in vain? It's a great question to ask. Their teachings are rules, precepts of men, things that men come up with, men or women, and they apply it to their life. These are very, very strong accusations. Jesus says, listen, understand what I'm about to say. He calls us back to the truth. 
In verse 10, he says, what goes into the mouth does not defile it. It's not about washing your hands. It's not about doing this and that in order to get God to love you. It's not what goes into your mouth that causes you to be defiled. It's what comes out of your mouth in words, in actions, in speech, in lifestyle. Our hearts, our hearts are like a pitcher that pour out words and thoughts. And if you are a Christian, it's really, really easy if you, especially if you claim it in public and people know that you're a Christian and then something comes out of you that's evil, it's easy for someone to say, you hypocrite. But for the believer who's forgiven, when that comes out of us and it comes out of me on a daily basis, it's really easy to think I have to do better. I have to change for God to love me. I really am evil when I act this way and I feel ashamed. To the world, it's judgment, but to the Christian, to the believer who has forgiven in Christ, who has been adopted by God through Jesus, it's a great gauge and a measuring stick of how we need to repent. How we can go back to God and say, Thank you for forgiving me for the things that just came out. It's a totally different perspective. Back in the times of Jesus and before him, when there was no forgiveness yet through the cross, if you said, I am religious and I want to serve God and you mess up, you're a hypocrite. The world makes you want to think that about yourself. We're dealing with something. Paul mentions it in this passage in Romans. It's his sin. It's his nature. Yes, he is a sinful person. But there's a part of him that does want to serve God. And whenever he fails in doing that, it reveals to him how much more he needs God. Doesn't, it's not about judgment and shame. Let's get back to the story. Jesus says, you hypocrites, on the outside you act this way, but your hearts are really far from God. You don't care about God. You're just doing this to look good. Jesus' disciples go to him and they say, Jesus, what you said was offensive. If we choose to live ways and ways that follow God, our lives, what we say, our speech, they will be in contrast to what the, what the world believes. Jesus, instead of apologizing for being offensive, he becomes more offensive. And he says, every plant that is planted by my, that's not planted by my Father will be pulled up by its roots. Christian life that claims to be based on Christ, that is based on greed and jealousy and defensiveness and division and selfishness and laziness and boasting and social climbing and judgment will be ripped up. These great gauges, measuring sticks of how we really are on the inside when we sin, 
They can either be a way for us to remind ourselves that we're sinful and we need the cross, or they can be ignored and ultimately brought to justice by God. Our lives may be in contrast to God. What's funny about this, I love this question. Did you know that you offended the Pharisees, Jesus? And Jesus is thinking in his mind, did you know that the Pharisees are offending me? <laughs> Jesus, the Son of God, is in their midst and they are worshiping in ways in order to look good instead of to honor the God that is amongst them. I'm offended by the Pharisees. That's why I said it. That's why I'm here. Every plant that's not planted by my Father will be pulled up. That's why Jesus is out there sowing seeds of true righteousness. He says, leave them. Don't follow them. I know they're, they're your, they are your religious leaders, but don't follow them. They're blind. Blind people, Jesus says, fall into danger. They don't, they don't see the, the, the paths, the pitfalls that are coming. And if you follow a blind person, you'll fall too. When Jesus calls me a hypocrite, I have to ask myself, am I living like a blind person? Am I nullifying the word of God for the sake of my own tradition? Stuff that I've come up in my mind that I think is how I should live. Maybe it might be even something that's good, like giving or fasting or praying. But am I doing it for God or am I doing it for myself? Because regardless of what I say I believe, my speech and my lifestyle reveal the truth about me. And often, when it reveals that I'm sick and it reveals that I'm sinful, I can sit in that and think, oh, God doesn't love me. I'm a hypocrite. How dare I claim Jesus and live like this or say this or act like this? What comes out, even though it's difficult to see, and self-awareness is so important for the Christian, but when I become more self-aware of how I really act, it should lead me back to the gospel. It shouldn't make me think, no, I'm not like that. Oh, I'll, I'll act better next time. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to reveal who we really are. And who we really are, unfortunately, is sinful people who desperately need Christ. So Jesus says, the blind lead the blind into danger, and if you follow them, you'll fall into danger. Or you may be that blind leader that is pretending to be someone that they're not and leading other people astray. And they say, explain this to us, Jesus. And he asks them something else that's also offensive. Are you still without understanding? Do you still not know what I'm trying to say? Regardless of what you say, 
you believe, your lifestyle and speech reveals the truth about who you really are. And if we live in ways that reveal that we really don't care about God, then that tells the truth that we don't. As a church, as a group of people, you're here this, this morning. You're here for a reason. You're here for a reason because I think most of you, maybe all of you, want to worship God. But it's passages like these, as offensive as they are, they should cause us to reflect about what we really believe. Do our actions match what we say we believe? Jesus gave. Jesus loved. Jesus was patient. Jesus promoted other people. He wasn't defensive. He wasn't selfish. He wasn't lazy. He wasn't boastful about his accomplishments. He came as, a, as, as nothing. He wasn't a social climber and tried to get other people to appreciate him in social circles. He gave the, the, the least the best seats. And he definitely didn't come to judge. He came to forgive. If we are saying that we follow him, are we like him? And if not, today is a great time, opportunity, for us to think through why. Not in judgment, not in shame, but a measuring stick, a gauge, a way to detect where we are with God by what we say and by how we live. I, this is my prayer for this church. This is, this, this is my prayer for me. That it's not just some thing we do on Sunday morning, but it's a way that we live that affects not just Vilnius, but Lithuania, and maybe the world. Amen. We're going to take a couple minutes. I encourage you to think of ways or things that you might have seen in your life this week that reveal that you are a hypocrite, that reveal or go against what your faith says. And think about why that happened, what the situation was, what you were feeling when it happened. And then, in that very same context, Think about the forgiveness and the blessing and the hope that there is in Christ. Apply the gospel. Put the gospel on top of that situation and let it be a reminder of how valuable and how purposeful it is that we're here to worship and to recognize what Jesus has done. We'll take a few moments. And then we'll stand together and say the Apostles' Creed. So let's do that now. Amen. The Apostles' Creed is a, is a statement of belief. 
It's interesting that it's written in the first or the first person plural. We, we believe, we think, we trust, we believe. But as you say it, I want you to think about it in the first person singular. I believe. And if that's true, hold on to it. There's an incredible amount of truth summed up, the gospel summed up in very a succinct statement, this creed. We don't just do this because we do it. It's not a tradition. It's a proclamation. It's a reminder to yourself that you believe this, if you're a Christian. And something that's a indirectly a product of us saying this out loud is that we're reminding each other the person next to you would you stand with me and recite this with it together we believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth we believe in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
who you are, your great power, your great compassion and love for us. We thank you that you've sent Jesus a great example, but also a sacrifice for our sins and a victor over death. That includes our own victory over death, our own exaltation with him. Thank you for the, the words that you've given us. Not to condemn us, but to reveal our need for you, to bring us back to the gospel. God, thank you. Thank you for constantly being in our lives to reveal who we really are on the inside. I pray that we wouldn't be offended, that we would see it as truth that points us to the light, that points us to you. God, give us this perspective. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for the world, specifically Belarus, uprisings and violence, corruption, God. We're in desperately need in need of a transformation, of a change in this world. Please use the gospel to change minds. Please bring corrupt people to justice. We pray for this country, Lithuania, in which we live, that you would continue to, to bless her. Thank you for keeping us relatively safe compared to other parts of the world in terms of the coronavirus. We pray, God, that you would continue to use the leaders in a wise way, in a way that reflects the needs of people instead of the needs of leaders. Use us in this city, God. We pray that the countries affected by famine and warfare and division and violence and religious tensions. God, we pray that your mercy would fall on them and that they would live and see the truth of the gospel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray as a church, as this small little international church in the center of illness. We pray that you would strengthen us, that you would grow us in terms of our compassion for each other, that you would raise our awareness of how important each and of us are. God, I pray that the gifts in each and every one of the people that are in this room would be revealed and used for your service. Whatever it is, pray that you would use this, con this congregation to make a difference in this city and that we wouldn't do it to look good, but we would do it to make you look good and to honor you as our God and as our, as our Redeemer, our Father in Heaven. Amen. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in Heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread 
and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I really like this next hymn. It's a declaration to God that he uses each and every one of us individually, that he uses our lives to make a difference for him. Hymn number 375, Take My Life and Let It Be. benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you 
give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.